0: Okay, so I'm here with uh, David Vivas, Vivas, and we're going to be talking today about type 1 diabetes. Myself, I have type 2, and uh, I thought it'd be interesting to learn a little bit more about type 1 and also um, some other things that David has to talk about, about how diabetes is dealt with internationally. So why don't you start off talking about what your goals are, what you're trying to
1: do. Well, first thing I'm trying to do is mostly uh, educate people on what type 1 diabetes is, how does it affect, how does it impact one's daily life, uh, how it's treated, some of the challenges it presents, and just to give an outlook on how the daily life of a type 1 diabetic is. Okay,
0: so um, what are some of the things you've noticed? You, you, you mentioned to me when we talked in the pre-interview about um, international differences in the way that diabetes is dealt with. And...
1: Yeah, um, well, the, the main difference internationally in the treatment of diabetes is the access of care. Yeah, the the healthcare system in Canada is different. That is in uh, in Venezuela, where I'm originally from. That is in Spain. That is in Germany, in the U.S. So those are the main keys: is uh, what the cost of care is, the access a Taiwan diabetic has not only to a doctor, but a, let's say a, a support team because you don't only need a doctor; you also need, for example, a nutritionist. Many times you need um, counseling or psychotherapy, um, just to help you learn the skills you need to deal with the with a disease. And some countries, uh, well, in Venezuela, where I, where I, where I, where I come from, and when I was first diagnosed with diabetes, I was. A, I myself was in a decent position, but it was mainly because I had uh, I could afford to buy the medicines, and I could afford to go to the doctors, and I could afford to visit the counseling. But it's not available sorry for everyone. And right now, the access to insulin is very much, it's not nil, I will say, but it will only, it's only accessible to you. If you have enough money or somebody who lives outside the country that can send you insulin from the outside because currently in the pharmacies, it's it's not a product you can buy or you can find. I remember, I remember every month, uh, like a short trip, my dad and I took visiting most of the, not most, but many of the pharmacies around the capital city, Caracas, which is around the same size of Toronto and was we couldn't we wouldn't find insulin after visiting 10 or 15 pharmacies uh, but that that was the experience in Venezuela I'm talking about in 2007 late 2006 things have deteriorated much more now and I'm pretty sure a lot of the people with di one diabetes that I met there are dead by now
0: or maybe they've, you know, if they ever tried to go, go seek asylum based on medical needs?
1: Um, mm. Or are they able to? Is that, is that I don't, something you could do? I don't really know. I think that it should be something you should be able to do, but I'm, I'm not sure. I know, I know you can ask for asylum for political reasons. The thing is that um, with the humanitarian crisis in Venezuela or the neighboring countries have stepped up to the plate. And they have taken most of the immigrants, so the great majority of uh, refugees that are escaping Venezuela, I'm talking about Colombia, Peru, Argentina, Panama, uh, Ecuador, Chile, all all Brazil, all of these countries have been extremely welcoming and understanding of the situation. So a diabetic who escaped Venezuela to go to Colombia will be able to find insulin in Colombia. Now that he can afford insulin in Colombia, is a different matter. It's not—it's not, a, it's not uh, extremely expensive, but it's still not—it's not—it's not quite cheap either, especially especially for countries who that are middle-income countries or lower-income countries, like in most of Latin America is. Yes. Um, in Europe, the situation is much more be- is much better, I will say. Um, I had access to the Spanish, both the Spanish and German healthcare system. And in Spain, it was simply go to the doctor, say I have diabetes, these are the insulins I need, I use. Then I will get a prescription for the insulin, the test stripes, the needles, also the Lancets I need to measure my blood sugar, all the... Uh, implements required i will take this prescription to the pharmacy and they will give it to me free of charge thing has changed now a bit but is you have to pay like a administration administrative fee of one euro but essentially it's all taken care and in my opinion is the best system i've been part of in germany it was not quite as good but pretty Still, it was still pretty decent, I will say. You have, to, you have to acquire an insurance in Germany, which is a different matter. It's not hard to acquire, it's not like the US. But at the total, the cost of buying the medicines and the, all the other devices you needed to take care of your diabetes in Germany will amount to maybe 30 euros a month. Completely, nothing out of the ordinary. And access to, doc- to medical doctors was well covered by the by insurance. No problem. You could visit as many times that you needed to. They were also you also had access to programs of diabetes education. Also, most of the doctors in Germany that I went to. They do a, I think it's a 20 hour program on diabetes education that made them they can put it there like an experience in diabetes education it's a certification that yes take 20 hours I say and yeah so the care was pretty good and the cost as well. even if you have to pay insurance, everything else is covered. Uh, insurance well if my experience as a student, You'll pay, the insurance will cost you around €70 Euros a month. And it covers everything, not just diabetes-related, but everything health-related. Uh, operations, surgeries, and all in all, and you could not be denied access, which is very key. Uh, so those were in Germany and Canada, it's... Uh, I was going to ask,
0: how is it now compared to what you've seen in all these places and now compared to... Canada, well, in particular here in Ontario.
1: I will say it's compared to South America, Canada is doing better. But compared to Europe, it's lagging behind.
0: And that's, it's kind of ironic because uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it was Banting and Best who actually invented insulin and they were Canadian.
1: Yeah, no, I've actually been to the. That, that was one of the first places I visited here when I came to Toronto. Okay, I want to go see the building where insulin was first developed. And it's, for me, it's quite ironic uh, that it's not the level of healthcare for diabetes is not as good as it is in Europe, being Canada, a country with such wealth and the capability of doing this. I will say the main problem is that, uh, okay, even insurance covers quite, uh, at least the, part the insurance I have covers quite a bit of the cost. Mm-hmm. However, it covers until an amu- a specific amount per year. After that amount, you have to cover all the insulin out of pocket. Now, I'm quite lucky that I have a doctor who, he has many times, he gives me freebies. Let's call them freebies. But he just has insulin there that he's like, okay, here, I can give you five vials of insulin or 20 vials of insulin because they give it to me for, I don't know exactly why he doesn't have it, but he gives it to me for free. So in that sense, Canadian doctors are doing a good job and the problem is the system itself, that if you have a it's a prescription medicine and you still have to pay it out of pocket unless you have an insurance, unless you're 25. But well, that, that's changing. Well, that's changing too. But when I, I learned about this or I think it's just, it's something actually very new because I never benefited from it. It started maybe, I think it was two years ago at the end of 2017. Yeah. I was already 26 so I could not take advantage of it. But what do you mean it's changing? Well, they're changing
0: um, the the whole program. I don't know the details. I just heard that they're they're changing it, and then they're they're thinking about doing some other program that will cover more things. But it's no, there's no longer going to be uh, the under twenty five pre- pre- free prescriptions. I don't know. I haven't I haven't done all my research on it, but I I. Uh, I'm personally, um, as I told you, as I may have mentioned my audience, I've got type two diabetes, Mm -hmm. and a lot of mine is managed through diet. Um, And I know that's not possible with type one, but a lot of it is, and then I take one medication, which is metformin, Mm. twice a day. So it's pretty much under control. But up until for the first thirty years of having type two, I never knew about to see a specialist it was always done by my gp monitor I, I didn't know about endocrinologists and it wasn't until last year i first went to see one at st mike's and actually i'm due for an appointment to see him again in a few in a month or so but so i figure you probably know a little bit about type 2 so i want to ask you if maybe you could address some of the key differences between type 1
1: and type 2 oh yeah definitely um the main most important difference is that uh, in type 2 diabetes, your body still produces insulin. And the problem is how your body reacts to the insulin per se. In type 1 diabetes, the problem is that your body does not produce any insulin at all. So it's the insulin is produced in the pancreas in a place called the Langerhans Isles. These are still present in people with type 2 diabetes, but in type 1 diabetes, these are destroyed by the immune system. So diabetes, type 1 diabetes, is also a autoimmune disease like uh, like lupus or others, which I don't remember now. But that's one of the main differences. The other differences is the way of treatment, as you already pointed out. Uh, type 2 diabetes can be controlled with diet and exercise. Type 1 diabetes... You need the diet and exercise component, but all, those two by themselves will do nothing if you don't have to take the insulin per se, which is necessary for any for human life to exist. I would say for mam- ma- all mammals produce insulin, and without the, without it, you 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 essentially die because your cells. Cannot get the energy that's in the form of glucose from your sugar to the cells. That's that's the key of how insulin works. It's that particle in your body that lets you go, lets the energy from your blood go to the cell. Without it, you cannot you cannot have energy, and well, you eventually you you die.
0: Okay, um, I just want to ask you something more about less about the diabetes, more about you. So what made you, besides the economic reasons, decide to come to Canada opposed to the U.S. when you were leaving Venezuela?
1: Oh, well, actually, well, I did not. My uh, arrival in Canada was not exactly straightforward. I did not move from straight from Venezuela to Canada. I first lived for a short period in Spain and then for a large time in Germany. The main reason I arrived to Canada was that... Um, Back in the day, I would say around two thousand four, two thousand and five, there were only two countries in the world who had a very well-structured immigration systems. These two countries being Canada and Australia. And so my father, he wanted to move to Australia, uh, to Canada, because he knew the the rate of deterioration that Venezuela was starting to have. It was already in a bad situation from when I was a kid, I remember, but after 2002, it accelerated. So he saw, okay, I will not, me and my family will have no prospects for the future if we stay here, I think it's a good idea to immigrate. So he did the application for Canada. And eventually we were very lucky that we all got a, a permanent residence which is essentially being becoming a citizen without voting rights. <laughs> and that's how I came to Canada. Uh, the U.S. at the moment, I'm not sure, the immigration process in the U.S. is much more complicated than in Canada. And in many ways, I'm happy it was Canada and not the U.S., especially for type 1 diabetes again. Uh, the cost of care in the U.S. for type 1 diabetes has skyrocketed to a level that in my opinion is criminal to a degree. I I just was recently in the US for a trip uh, and I accidentally forgot my replaced my extra insulin at home so I needed to buy some there. And I thought, well, you no know, in Canada it's over the counter. I can just go to any pharmacy and one vial will cost me twenty Canadian more or less. In the U.S., it doesn't work quite like that. You've, it's not over the counter, so you need a prescription. So you either need to go to a medical doctor, which is will be around 100, 120 U.S. dollars, or emergency ro- or an emergency room will be upwards to 300 U.S. dollars. And then when you get that same vial that costs in Canada 20 Canadian, in the U.S. it will cost you 130 U.S. Well, that's just yes, that's, that's criminal. criminal. That's criminal. So that's why I'm really, I'm very glad it was Canada, not the U.S., the place where I got to move, because in a sense, you are charging desperate people for medicine. It's, it's like being in a desert. You're the only one who has access to water and you're selling the water at the, the price of the water is its own weight in gold. I feel like that's what the U.S. has become. In care for diabetes now if you have an insurance that covers everything you're you will be fine but there have been many instances and many hit stories as being online you can you can go google on bbc or the new york times the guardian the cbc global mail about the cost of insulin in the u.s and the stories there are many people who are dying diabetics who are type one diabetics who have to cut
0: their their dosage. I've actually heard that about that. Um, And even some mainstream shows have talked about it. They've done episodes where they they have somebody who has to, they're they're watering down their dosage, basically. They're taking less of it when they need it and just to survive. And uh, so I guess you're saying uh, if uh, you're, you're anyone who's listening to this and they're from anywhere else, but Canada, the US—that maybe Canada is the place to come for. Yeah, although,
1: or maybe as you would say, go over to Spain or Germany. Yeah, Germany and Spain. Um, I I am not sure about what's the because my situation, the situation when I read it was always from a point of uh, legal presence when I was in Spain, Germany, or Canada or the US. I was always uh, like uh, legally there. I was not an undocumented person. I'm not quite sure how it works, but however, I know that in Spain, if you're undocumented, they still, they cannot deny you the access to it. I'm not sure if they will charge you for it, but if they did charge you for it, it will not be as much as they do in the United States.
0: You said you went to the United States for a visit and you forgot your meds. Um, did, did you need a visa to go from Canada to the U.S. because you're only a uh, permanent resident and not a citizen?
1: No, I'm a citizen now. Oh, you, you are
0: a citizen? Yeah, yeah. That's
1: great. That's great to hear. Yeah, recently, actually, the 31st of January, I became a citizen. But um, no, I did not need a visa before that. Um, I'm a Spanish citizen. That's why I was able to be in Spain and in Germany, perfectly legal. Oh, so,
0: it, but if you had a Venezuelan passport, you wouldn't have, you would
1: have needed a visa. Yes, that is correct. Venezuelans. Um, I'm not sh- exactly
0: sure how things have. Which is, I think, especially in light of what's going on right now in the U.S., the, the caravan that started yeah. down, I think, in um, Belize, and it's been coming up and... They're now all there in Mexico, but Mexico is offering a lot of these people um, work, but they want to come into the U.S. or yeah, they want to go into the U.S. But and so I know that in order to get in, you needed a visa.
1: Well, I'm not things for Venezuelans have are a bit different. The the U.S. treats Venezuela a bit differently than they treat the rest of Latin America. Okay. the U.S. the way the U.S. sees Venezuela will be more um, as they see Saudi Arabia, and that's and that's mainly because oil? of oil. That's mainly because of oil. So actually, one of the f- things is that uh, the U.S. administration, Donald Trump, the people, the guy who wants to build the wall and wants all the brown people or Mexican style, his administration has actually been very positive. Towards Venezuelans so much so that if you're Venezuelan in the U.S. now, regardless of your legal situation, where you're documented or undocumented, they will not deport you because they understand what Venezuela is going on through now, and they will not kick you out of the country. It's in a how a, transition. It's a, not a transition. Venezuela is a humanitarian crisis right now caused by a dictator, dictatorial regime. Uh, however, this reg- because this regime is such is at such odds with the U.S. The U.S. has been saying, "Okay, we will all the Venezuelans that are in the U.S. will not be deported." And this is I'm talking about. This was uh, said by Marco Rubio, a Republican senator, that they will not deport Venezuelans. So it's I feel like Venezuelans we are getting a preferential treatment in comparison to the rest of the Latin Americans. But we also go into a very special circumstances at the moment that I feel deserve this. Now, with this, I'm not saying You're that Latinum. No, not the oil. The economic crisis. Oh, okay. the, oil, the oil makes it, makes a big difference too. But it's, I will say it's because of the crisis that we deserve it. But the U.S. is doing it because we have oil.
0: Yeah,
1: our interests align in this matter. I'm not. I'm not exactly a conservative or a, If I was an American, I will not vote uh, Republican. But in this instance, there were the, uh, Trump administ- the way the Trump administration has been dealing with Venezuela, I have to say uh, kudos and thanks you very, I feel very grateful for him. Despite the 90% other uh, ideas and concepts that he has, I completely disagree. On this one instance, he's saving the lives of many of my fellow countrymen and women. It's hard. It's uh, it's the cognitive dissonance at the moment. Trump doesn't like Latinos, but he but he's uh, but he doesn't but he supports Venezuelans. Uh, this
0: is something I just noticed. Uh, I don't see you, you don't wear a medical alert to say that uh, you for diabetes so in a case of emergency?
1: No, I think I should though I never got in down to do it, and I actually got in. I got trouble for that once. Uh, I was in an airport in, in Portugal, where the I mean, the security officer will not let me take all my insulin in the plane because he said, "Well, but you have to prove that you have diabetes." And I caved in. I get, I left my insulin there because my flight was about to leave, and I needed to get in that flight. In retrospect, now I would say I I should have had a uh, a pass saying that I have type one diabetes. But on the on the flip side of that, a person as a security officer at an airport should know what type one diabetes is, and maybe because I had lead lock that I was going back to Germany and I could buy more insulin, but. Somebody else who was going to a different country and that was the old insulin they could get, that could have killed that person. So, in my opinion, the security officer committed a human right violation, and he not only should be uh fired from the he should he should not be working for a, for the state. He should, in my opinion, he should be prosecuted at least for that for endangering the life of somebody. Mm-hmm. Somebody with a disability, somebody with a, like a life-threatening condition, because of his negligence and ignorance, a person could have died. Not me, because I was going to a country where I could get insulin and have the resources to acquire it. But somebody else who say was going back to Venezuela, and all, and that was all the insulin he had in mm-hmm. Venezuela. What happened if this security airport security officer says no, you cannot take? your life-saving medicine with you, that's a life sentence. Because in Venezuela, you cannot find insulin.
0: Yeah, so you've got to bring it with, if you get out of the country and you come back, you got to take it with you. Exactly. Like, do you know of anyone, speaking of, oh, before we do, I'm going to ask you a question, but I just want to tell you a little anecdotal thing. I have a friend, Tracy, she has type one diabetes, and instead of wearing a um, uh, a bracelet, she actually had a tattoo made of her ah. with the with the symbol for medical alert and saying that she had
1: diabetes. Yeah, I, I, I've seen those. Do, are you going? Do you think we'll get you? You will you get one of those? No,
0: I, I, I because it's
1: type two. Really, I haven't seen an
0: eight part. Like I know I I have some of the I don't know what the similar symptoms. I have problems with my feet. I have neuropathy. I don't feel um, my any mm. heat or cold, my feet—they're numb. Basically, that's the one thing. And then I've got also now um, uh, what they call retinal edema caused by diabetes. And uh, usually, the it's been surgery has been the answer to it. But I've been going monthly for at least eight months now, and I get a needle right in the eyeball, oh. in, the, in the retina, and it's been helping with my vision problems. Thanks, right, Sam. But you know. First, I've always had to wear glasses for other reasons, but I don't have the um, the white spots
1: anymore and all that. Wow. Well, um, the thing with type two diabetes and type one diabetes is that the symptoms you get later in life, this neuropathy you just talk about, and you say re- retinal retinal edema, retinal edema it's yeah. swelling behind the retina. Those happen also for type one diabetes because. The main problem is the elevated level of blood sugar in your blood. Whether it's type two or type one, that's the thing they have in common, and that creates all the symptoms that you know the you don't do you don't feel your you don't feel your right. And Neurology. they also
0: get these lightning bolt like um, jolts of jolts. pain that come up. Yeah, and <laughs> that's what I need the Lyrica for. Yeah, so but I've been finding and. Um, something that I'm now a, a real proponent of is that um, sometimes I cannot take as much as the Lyrica because I'm also now taking CBD oil.
1: Wait, what's it, Lyrica?
0: The, Lyrica was the is the drug that they usually prescribe for neuropathy. Okay. And the pain that comes with neuropathy, but I've been using CBD oil, which is uh, cannabinoid. Yeah. And it's 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 amazing for
1: the neuro, neuropath pain. Oh. And how does it help you? How how does the CBD oil help you with the neuropathy? Well, um, I don't I I don't get those shocks of pain anymore. Okay, but do you replace the meds, the Illyrica with no, the CBD?
0: I I haven't got to that point because as they always tell anybody with, who's on any type of medication. The, you know, you want to do it under medical supervision. Yeah. So I told my doctor about the CBD. He was not in favor at first. And he says, let's see how it works. And now I'm gradually taking down the the number of milligrams of uh, Lyrica or as the clinical name for it is um, pregabalin. I'm taking less of that because when I can afford the CBD, unfortunately, that's the one thing. I have a medical insurance. But CBD is not yet covered.
1: Yeah, all the
0: the pharmaceuticals are, but this one that really works because it's. But I'm thinking that um, in time, in time more because there's more work being done on the research with uh, medical cannabis, and honestly, the CBD that I use is has no THC. So there's THC is the psychotropic. Yeah. Parts of marijuana. the,
1: the part that so, gives you the high.
0: Yeah, so there's no CBD, there's no what THC. I take 100%. Well, they say there's like a 0.01 because always it's always going to be present, but I don't get a buzz off CBD. They said that I'd have to you know take about uh, 50 to 60 vials of this, and it doesn't taste too good. Considering I only a few, few few drops under my tongue, but I'd have to take 50 to 60 vials to get a mild buzz.
1: Yeah, no, that's not So, me. it's
0: it's not it's not something I'm taking to get high. But um I, anything else you wanted to say? I wanted to get your final notes.
1: Um yes, this is not much about not about type 1 diabetes. Well, it's a bit on type 1 diabetes, but it's um I'm going to um, this is the I'm kind of like asking for money in a way. If you are able to donate money to uh, any organization trying to help people with type one diabetes get access to insulin please do so i'm talking more specifically of my country venezuela because even the main problem in venezuela is not that insulin costs a lot is that there is none so if you okay so i'm here with uh David Vivas
0: Vivas, and we're going to be talking today about type 1 diabetes. Myself, I have type 2 and I thought it'd be interesting to learn a little bit more about type 1 and also um, some other things that David has to talk about, about how diabetes is dealt with internationally. So why don't you start off talking about what your goals are what you're trying
1: to do well first thing I'm trying to do is mostly uh, educate people on what type 1 diabetes is how does affect how does impact one's daily life uh, how it's treated some of the challenges it presents and just to give an outlook on how the daily life of a type 1 diabetic is Okay,
0: so um, what are some of the things you've noticed? You, you, you mentioned to me when we talked in the pre-interview about um, international differences in the way that diabetes is dealt with. And...
1: Yeah, um, well, the the main difference internationally in the treatment of diabetes is the access of care. Have. The the healthcare system in Canada is different than it is in, uh, in Venezuela, where I'm originally from, that is in Spain, that is in Germany, in the U.S. So those are the main keys, is uh, what the cost of care is, the access a Taiwan diabetic has not only to a doctor, but a, let's say a, a support team, because you don't only need a doctor, you also need, for example, a nutritionist, Many times you need um, counseling or psychotherapy, um, just to help you learn the skills you need to deal with the, with a the disease. And some countries, uh, well, in Venezuela, where I, where I, where I come from, and when I was first diagnosed with diabetes, I was. You know, I myself was in a decent position, but it was mainly because I had uh, I could afford to buy the medicines, and I could afford to go to the doctors, and I could afford to visit the counseling. But it's not available, sorry for everyone. And right now, the access to insulin is very much it's not nil, I will say, but it will only it's only accessible to you. If you have enough money or somebody who lives outside the country that can send you insulin from the outside. Because currently in the pharmacies, it's it's not a product you can buy or you can find. I remember I remember every month, uh, like a short trip, my dad and I took visiting most of the, not most, but many of the pharmacies around the capital city, Caracas, which is around the same size of Toronto. And was we couldn't we wouldn't find insulin after visiting ten or fifteen pharmacies. Uh, but that that was the experience in Venezuela. I'm talking about in two thousand and seven, late two thousand and six. Things have deteriorated much more now. And I'm pretty sure a lot of the people with type one diabetes that I met there are dead by now.
0: Or maybe they've, you know, if they ever tried to go go seek asylum based on medical needs,
1: um, mm. Or are they able to? Is that, is that I don't, something you could do? I don't really know. I think that it should be something you should be able to do, but I'm, I'm not sure. I know, I know you can ask for asylum for political reasons. The thing is that um, with the humanitarian crisis in Venezuela or the neighboring countries have stepped up to the plate and they have taken most of the immigrants, so the great majority of uh, refugees that are escaping Venezuela, Can talk about Colombia, Peru, Argentina, Panama, uh, Ecuador, Chile, all, all Brazil, all of these countries have been extremely welcoming and understanding of the situation. So a diabetic who escaped Venezuela to go to Colombia, Will be able to find insulin in Colombia. Now that he can afford insulin in Colombia, it's a different matter. It's not a, it's not uh, extremely expensive, but it's still not it's not it's not quite cheap either. Especially especially for countries who that are middle income countries or lower income countries like in most of Latin America is. Um, in Europe, the situation is much more be- is much better I will say um, I had access to the Spanish both the Spanish and German healthcare system and in Spain it was simply go to the doctor say I have diabetes these are the insulins I need I use then I will get a prescription for the insulin the test stripes the needles also the lancets I need to measure my blood sugar all the uh, implements required. I will take this prescription to the pharmacy, and they will give it to me free of charge. Thing has changed now a bit, but is you have to pay like a administration f- administrative fee of one euro. But essentially, it's all taken care, of and in my opinion, is the best system I've been part of. In Germany, it was not quite as good, but pretty still. It was still pretty decent, I will say. You have to. You have to acquire an insurance in Germany, which is a different matter, it's not hard to acquire, it's not like the U.S., but at the total, the cost of buying the medicines and all the other devices you need to take care of your diabetes in Germany will amount to maybe 30 euros a month, completely nothing out of the ordinary. And access to, doc- to medical doctors was well covered by the by your insurance, no problem. You could visit as many times that you needed to. They were also you also had access to programs of diabetes education. Also, most of the doctors in Germany that I went to, they do. A, I think it's a twenty hour program on diabetes education that made them they can put it there like a experience in diabetes education. It's a certification that. Yes, take twenty hours, I say, and yeah. So the care was pretty good, and the cost as well. Even if you have to pay insurance, everything else is covered. Uh, insurance, well, if my experience as a student, you'll pay the insurance will cost you around seventy euros a month, and it covers everything, not just diabetes related, but everything health related, uh, operations, surgeries. Uh, And all in all, and you could not be denied access, which is very key. Uh, So those were in Germany and Canada, it's... uh, I was going to ask, how is it now compared to what you've seen in all these places
0: and now compared to Canada, well, in particular here in Ontario?
1: Um, I will say it's compared to South America, Canada is doing better. But compared to Europe, it's lagging behind.
0: And that's as it's kind of ironic because uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but it was Banting and Best who actually invented insulin and they were Canadian.
1: Yeah, no, I've actually been to the, that. That was one of the first places I visited here when I came to Toronto. Okay, why not go see the building where insulin was first developed? And it's for me, it's quite ironic uh, that it's not the level of healthcare. For diabetes, is not as good as it is in Europe, being Canada, a country with such wealth and the capability of doing this. I will say the main problem is that, uh, okay, even insurance covers quite, uh, at least the, the insurance I have covers quite a bit of the cost. Mm-hmm. However, it covers until an ama- a specific amount per year. After that amount, you have to cover all the insulin out of pocket. Now, I'm quite lucky that I have a doctor who he has many times, he gives me freebies. Let's call them freebies, but he just has insulin there that he's like, okay, here, I can give you five vials of insulin or 20 vials of insulin because they give it to me for, I don't know exactly why he doesn't have it, but he gives it to me for free. So in that sense, Canadian doctors, we're doing a good job. And the problem is the system itself. That if you have a... It's a prescription medicine. And you still have to pay it out of pocket unless you have an insurance. Unless you're 25. But well, that's that, changing. Well, that's changing too. But when I I learned about this, or I think it's just it's something actually very new because I never benefited from it. It started maybe, I think it was... 2 years ago at the end of 2017 yeah i was already 26 so i could not take advantage of it but what do you mean it's changing well they're changing
0: um, the the whole program i don't know the details i just heard that they're they're changing it and then they're they're thinking about doing some other program that will cover more things but it's no, there's no longer going to be uh, the under 25 program for free prescriptions. I don't know, I haven't, I haven't done all my research on it, but I, because uh, I'm personally, um, as I told you and my, as I may have mentioned my audience, I've got type two diabetes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of mine is managed through diet. Um, and I know that's not possible with type one, but a lot of it is, and then I take one medication, which is metformin, mm. twice a day. So it's pretty much under control. But up until for the first 30 years of having type 2, I never knew about going to see a specialist. It was always done by my GP, Monica. Mm-hmm. I didn't know about endocrinologists. And it wasn't until last year I first went to see one at St. Mike's. And actually, I'm due for an appointment to see him again in a, few, in a month or so. But so I figure you probably know a little bit about type 2. So I want to ask you if maybe you could address. Some of the key differences between type 1
1: and type 2. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, the main most important difference is that uh, in type 2 diabetes, your body still produces insulin. And the problem is how your body reacts to the insulin per se. In type 1 diabetes, the problem is that your body does not produce any insulin at all. So it's the insulin is produced in the pancreas in a place called the Langerhans Isles. These are still present in people with type two diabetes, but in type one diabetes, these are destroyed by the immune system. So diabetes, type one diabetes, is also an autoimmune disease, like uh, like lupus or others, which I don't remember now. But that's one of the main differences. The other differences is the way of treatment, as you already pointed out. Uh, type two diabetes can be controlled with diet and exercise type one diabetes you need the diet and exercise component but all those two by themselves will do nothing if you don't know how to take the insulin per se which is necessary for any for human life to exist i would say for mam- all mammals produce insulin and without the, without it you 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 essentially die because your cells cannot get the energy that's in the form of glucose from your sugar to the cells. That's that's the key of how insulin works. It's that particle in your body that lets you go lets the energy from your blood go to the cell. Without it, you cannot you cannot have energy. And well you eventually you you die.
0: Okay, um, I just wanna ask you something more about Less about the diabetes, more about you. So what made you, besides the economic reasons, decide to come to Canada opposed to the U.S. when you were leaving Venezuela?
1: Oh, well, actually, well, I did not... My uh, arrival in Canada was not exactly straightforward. I did not move from straight from Venezuela to Canada. I first lived for a short period in Spain and then for a large time in Germany. The main reason I arrived to Canada was that... Um, back in the day I would say around 2004 2005 there were only two countries in the world who had a well structured immigration systems these two countries being Canada and Australia and so my father he wanted to move to Australia uh, to Canada because he knew the the rate of deterioration that Venezuela was starting to have It was already in a bad situation from when I was a kid, I remember, but after 2002, it accelerated. So he saw, okay, I will not, me and my family will have no prospects for the future if we stay here. I think it's a good idea to immigrate. So he did the application for Canada. And eventually we were very lucky that we all got a permanent residence which is essentially being becoming a citizen without voting rights. <laughs> and that's how I came to Canada. Uh, the U.S. at the moment, I'm not sure, the immigration process in the U.S. is much more complicated than in Canada. And in many ways, I'm happy it was Canada and not the U.S., especially for type 1 diabetes again. Uh, the cost of care in the U.S. for type 1 diabetes has skyrocketed to a level that, in my opinion, is criminal to a degree. I I just was recently in the US for a trip uh, and I accidentally forgot my, replaced my extra insulin at home, so I needed to buy some there. And I thought, well, you no, know, in Canada, it's over the counter. I can just go to any pharmacy and one vial will cost me 20 Canadian, more or less. In the U.S., it doesn't work quite like that. It's not over-the-counter, so you need a prescription. So you either need to go to a medical doctor, which is will be around $100, $120 U.S. dollars, ro- or an emergency room will be upwards to 300 U.S. dollars. And then when you get that same vial that costs in Canada 20 Canadian, in the U.S., it will cost you 130 U.S. Well, that's just yes, that's, that's criminal. criminal. That's criminal. So that's why I'm really, I'm very glad it was Canada, not the U.S., the place where I got to move, because in a sense, you are charging desperate people for medicine. It's, it's like being in a desert. You're the only one who has access to water and you're selling the water at the, the price of the water is its own weight in gold. I feel like that's what the U.S. has become. In care for diabetes now if you have an insurance that covers everything you're you will be fine but there have been many instances and many stories that's being online you can you can go google on bbc or the new york times the guardian the cbc global mail about the cost of insulin in the u.s and the stories there are many people who are dying diabetics who are Type one diabetics who have to cut
0: their their dosage. I've actually heard that about that, um, and even some mainstream shows have talked about it. They've done episodes where they, they have somebody who has to they're 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 watering down their dosage basically. They're taking less of it when they need it, and it, just to survive. And uh, so I guess you're saying uh, if uh, you you're anyone who's listening to this, and they're from anywhere else but Canada, the U.S., that maybe Canada is the place to come for. Yeah. Although,
1: or maybe, as you
0: would say, go over to Spain or
1: Germany. Yeah, Germany and Spain, um, I I am not sure about what's the – because my situation, the situation when I read it was always from a point of uh, legal presence. When I was in Spain, Germany, or Canada, or the U.S., I was always – uh, like, uh, legally there, I was not an undocumented person. I'm not quite sure how it works, but however in, I know that in Spain if you're undocumented they still they cannot deny you the access to it. I'm not sure if they will charge you for it, but if they did charge you for it, it will not be as much as they do in the US, United States.
0: You said you went to the United States for a visit and you forgot your... Name your meds. Um, did, did you need a visa to go from Canada to the U.S. because you're only a uh, permanent resident and not a citizen?
1: No, I'm a citizen now. Oh, you, you are a citizen? Yeah, now. yeah. That's great. That's great to hear. Yeah, recently, actually, the 31st of January, I became a citizen. But um, no, I did not need a visa before that. I'm, I'm a Spanish citizen. That's why I was able to be in Spain and in Germany, perfectly legal. Oh, so...
0: It, but if you had a Venezuelan passport, you wouldn't have. You would
1: have needed a visa. Yes, that is correct. Venezuelans. I'm. Um,
0: I'm not sure, exactly sure how things have. Because I think, especially in light of what's going on right now in the U.S., the the caravan that started yeah. down, I think in um, Belize, and it has been coming up, and they're now all there in Mexico. But Mexico is offering a lot of these people um, work. But they want to come into the U.S. or in, yeah, they want to go into the U.S. But and so I know that in order to get in, you needed a visa.
1: Well, I'm not. Things for Venezuelans have be, are a bit different. The the U.S. treats Venezuela a bit differently than they treat the rest of Latin America. Oh, okay. Um, the U.S. the way the U.S. sees Venezuela will be more um, as they see Saudi Arabia, and that's. And that's mainly because oil? of oil. That's mainly because of oil. So actually, one of the f- things is that uh, the U.S. administration, Donald Trump, the people, the guy who wants to build the wall and wants all the brown people, Mexican South, his administration has actually been very positive towards Venezuelans. So much so that if you're Venezuelan in the U.S. now, regardless of your legal situation where you're documented or undocumented, they will not deport you because they understand what Venezuela is going on through now, and they will not kick you out of the country. It's in a... How... Transition? It's a, not a transition. Venezuela is a humanitarian crisis right now caused by a dictator, dictatorial regime. Uh, however, this reg- because this regime is, such, is at such odds with the U.S., the U.S. has been saying, okay, we will, all the Venezuelans that are in the U.S. will not be deported. And this is, I'm talking about, this was uh, said by Marco Rubio, a Republican senator, that they will not deport Venezuelans. So it's, I feel like Venezuelans, we are getting a preferential treatment in comparison to the rest of the Latin Americans. But we also going through a very special circumstances at the moment that I feel deserve this. Now with this, I'm not saying in that Latinum. No, not the oil. The economic crisis. Oh, okay. the, oil, the oil makes it, makes a big difference too. But it's, I will say it's because of the crisis that we deserve it. But the U.S. is doing it because we have oil. Yeah. <laughs> Our interests align in this matter. I'm not. I'm not exactly a conservative or a, If I was an American, I will not vote a Republican. But in this instance, the word the uh, Trump administ- the way the Trump administration has been dealing with Venezuela, I have to say uh, kudos and thanks you very. I feel very grateful for him. Despite the 90% other uh, ideas and concepts that he has, I completely disagree. On this one instance, he's saving the lives of many of my fellow countrymen and women. It's hard. It's, uh, it's the cognitive dissonance. At the moment, Trump doesn't like Latinos, but he, but he's, uh, but he doesn't, but he supports Venezuelans. Uh, this
0: is something I just noticed. Uh, I don't see you, you. don't wear a medical alert to say that uh, you for diabetes. So in a case of emergency,
1: no, I think I should though. I never gotten down to do it, and I actually got in. I got trouble for that once. Uh, I was in an airport in. In Portugal, where the I mean, the security officer will not let me take all my insulin in the plane because he said, "Well, but you have to prove that you have diabetes." And I caved in. I get I left my insulin there because my flight was about to leave and I needed to get in that flight. In retrospect, now I would say I I should have had a uh, a pass saying that I have type one diabetes. But on the, on the flip side of that, a person as a security officer at an airport should know what type 1 diabetes is. And maybe because I had the lead lock that I was going back to Germany and I could buy more insulin, but somebody else who was going to a different country and that was the only insulin they could get, that could have killed that person. So in my opinion, this security officer committed a human right violation. And he not only should be uh, fired from the he should, he should not be working for, for the state, he should in my opinion he should be prosecuted at least for that for endangering the life of somebody. Mm-hmm. Somebody with a disability so like a life-threatening condition because of his negligence and ignorance, a person could have died not me because I was going to a country where I could get insulin and have the resources to acquire it, but somebody else who say was going back to Venezuela and all, and that was all the insulin he had in Venezuela. What happened if this security airport security officer says, no, you cannot take your life saving medicine with you. That's a life sentence because in Venezuela, you cannot find insulin.
0: Yeah, so you've got to bring it with. If you get out of the country and you're coming back, you got to take it with you. Exactly. Like, do you know of anyone? Speaking of, oh, Before we do, I'm going to ask you a question. But I just want to tell you a little anecdotal thing. I have a friend, Tracy. She has type 1 diabetes. And instead of wearing a um, uh, a bracelet, she actually had a tattoo made of her ah. with the with the symbol for medical alert and saying that she had
1: Diabetes. Yeah, I have seen those. Do, are you gonna? Do you think we'll get you? You will you get one of those? No, I I, I because it's type two. Really, I haven't seen an
0: age. for Like I know I I have some of the. I don't know what the similar symptoms. I have problems with my feet. I have neuropathy. I don't feel um, my any mm. heat or cold. In my feet—they're numb, basically. That's the one thing. And then I've got also now, um, uh, what they call. Retinal edema caused by diabetes, and uh, usually the it's been surgery has been the answer to it. But I've been going monthly for at least eight months now, and I get a needle right in the Ooh. eyeball, in the, in the retina, and it's been helping with my vision problems. Right, nice Jim. But you know, of course, I've always had to wear glasses for other reasons, but I don't have the um, the white spots
1: anymore and all that. Wow. Well, um, the thing with type 2 diabetes and type 1 diabetes is that the symptoms you get later in life, this neuropathy you just talk about, and you said retinal. Retinal edema. Retinal edema. swelling behind the yeah. retina. Those happen also for type 1 diabetes because the main problem is the elevated level of blood sugar in your blood, whether it's type 2 or type 1. That's the thing they have in common. And that creates all the sentence that you know the you don't uh, do you, you don't feel your you don't feel your right and neuro- then they also
0: get these lightning bolt like um, jolts of jolts. pain that come up. Yeah. And that's what I need the lyrica for. Yeah. So but that's- I've been finding and um something that I'm now a, a real proponent of is that um Sometimes I cannot take as much of the lyrica because I'm also now taking CBD oil.
1: Wait, what's it, lyrica?
0: The, lyrica was the is the drug that they usually prescribe for neuropathy. Okay. And the pain that comes with neuropathy, but I've been using CBD oil, which is uh, cannabinoid. Yeah. And it's it's it, it's amazing for
1: the neuropath pain. And how does it help you? How how does the CBD oil help you with the neuropathy?
0: Well, um, I don't, I, I don't get those shocks of pain anymore.
1: Okay, but do you replace the Illyrica the Illurica with no, the CBD?
0: No, I, I haven't got to that point because, as they always tell anybody with, who's on any type of medication, the you know you want to do it under medical supervision. Yeah. So I've told my doctor about the CBD. He was not in favor at first. And he says, "Let's see how it works." And now I'm gradually taking down the the number of milligrams of uh, Lyrica or as the clinical name for it is um, pregabalin. I'm taking less of that because when I can afford the CBD, unfortunately that's the one thing I have a medical insurance, but CBD is not yet covered. Yeah, all the the pharmaceuticals are, but this one that really works because it's, but I'm taking it in time more because there's more work being done on the research with uh, medical cannabis. And honestly, the CBD that I use is, has no THC. So there's THC is the psychotropic yeah. parts of marijuana. The,
1: the part so, that gives you the high.
0: Yeah. So there's no CBD. There's no what THC. I take 100%. Well, they say there's like a 0.01 because always, it's always going to be present, but I don't get a buzz off CBD. They said that I'd have to check, you know, Take about uh, fifty to sixty vials of this, and it doesn't taste too good. Considering I only a few 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 drops under my tongue, but I would have to take fifty to sixty vials to get a mild buzz.
1: Yeah, no, that's so true. it's
0: it's not it's not something I'm taking to get high. But uh, um, I, anything else you wanted to say? I wanted to get your final notes.
1: Um, yes, this is not much about not about type. One diabetes, well, it's a bit on type one diabetes, but it's um, I'm gonna. um, This is the I'm kind of like asking for money in a way. If you are able to donate money to uh, any organization trying to help people with type one diabetes get access to insulin, please do so. I'm talking more specifically about my country, Venezuela, because even The main problem in Venezuela is not that insulin costs a lot, it's that there is none. So if you